I like to share with you like a very quick story today. There was like a pagan king who has a Christian minister and he really respected that minister too much. And he had lots of discussion with him and one day the king asked the minister, he said, I like Christianity, but one thing I don't understand, and really I don't understand, why God should come in human flesh to save the human being. Because I am a king, I have my kingdom, if I need anything to be done, all what I need to do is just ask my servant to do it. And I order my servant, and my servant will achieve what I want. So why God didn't order an angel a prophet, a righteous man to do, to avoid all the suffering, the cross, humiliation, all what happened. I don't understand it. I don't get it. Then the minister asked the king to give him three days to answer the question. And he went very quickly to a very smart like artist and asked him to create a small statue looks exactly the same size and shape like the, the king's son. He had like two years old son. And he, he asked the artist to do it in two days. And the artist did it. Then he took the statue, was very similar to the king's son. And he gave it to the maid, the lady who took care of the son, and asked her that tomorrow, at 5 p.m., while you are giving a walk to the son of king, the, the son of the king, don't take the son, take the statue, dress it up exactly like the son of the king. And they had like a very large lake in the palace, and he asked the maid, or the lady, by saying, when you saw my left hand raised up, all what I need you to do to take the stroller, which has the statue, but the king didn't know that, and you push it to the lake very quickly. It was like a surprise for her, but he, he said to her, like, don't worry, I will manage the king. It happened on the third day, 5 p.m., king and the minister were sitting and the maid came with a stroller, having that statue exactly like the son of the king. And he raised the hand, and all the maid did is like push the stroller very quickly into the lake. And all of a sudden, the king jumped and threw himself into the lake to save his son. And when he discovered that he is not his son, it's the statue, he was so angry. So the Christian minister came to him by saying, I will explain everything to you, but answer question for me first. Why you didn't order me or any one of your servants to jump and save your son? And the king looked to him and he said, because <laughs> this is my son, I love him. And the minister said, and this is my answer to your question. Out of love, 
God came to save every one of us. He didn't order a prophet, an angel, or archangel to save us. Out of love, exactly like you did. So today I like to meditate on the everlasting love of God. And I will take three verses from the Bible as a foundation to what I'm going to say. The first one is very famous from John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And the second one from Ephesians 2. But God who is rich in mercy because of his great love which he loved us even when we were dead in trespasses made us alive together with Christ. And the third one from Romans 5, but God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Actually, the cross was a very harsh punishment during the Roman times. But it turned it to be a symbol of love and sacrifices when our Lord died on it. And the everlasting love of God is a very central of our Christianity because the Christianity, I do believe it is not like a religion. It's very, very intense relationship with God. So the love of God is a very central in our doctrine and it's a very profound truth in the Bible. And during the whole week, all what we are doing is meditate on God's love. And God loves us unconditionally. And this is very important meaning in our life. He loves us unconditionally, which means no matter how sinful we are, no matter how bad we are, He loves us. And if you ask why, the answer is very simple, because this is His nature, His essence. Bible is telling us God's love. So God must be true to himself. Like it's part of his nature. And it's it's actually who he is regardless who we are. It's who he is regardless who we are. And the word used in John 3.16, the word love, coming from the Greek one agape, which means... He loves us unconditionally and it is the highest form and explanation of love. He loves the unlovable and the unlovely. Not because we deserve to be loved, but again because He is love. And He loves us individually. He loves every one of us. He loves Yusuf, Mark, Kiro, David, Julia, Nana, Sarah, Alex, Lavina, Madeline, I wish I have the, the time to mention every name here. Because this is, this is a very critical and central message that God loves me unconditionally and He loves me personally. And nothing can separate and nothing will, will not separate us from God's love forever. St. Paul said it very clearly. In Romans chapter 8, he said, For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, 
nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. And God never changes and his love never changes. In the prodigal son story or the lost son, I love to call it the compassionate father. When you read the story from the first century lens, you will discover an amazing fact. And I will explain to you how that story is very linked to the cross of Jesus Christ. So listen carefully what's, what mentioned in Luke 15. And he arose and came to his father, but when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. So he ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. In the first century, in that culture, in the Middle Eastern culture, a man never, never ran, especially if he is old. And why is that? Because if he had to run, he would have to hitch up his tunic, raise it up, so he will not trip while he is running. And if he did that, it would show his bare legs. And in that culture, that's very shameful. So he, sh- he shouldn't run. But the question is, why that father ran in the story? There is a very interesting tradition at that time. They call it Al-Kizaza, custom or tradition. If a Jewish son took his inheritance, destroyed it in a Gentile's area, when he is coming back, the community and the village will take a large pot And when they saw him coming, they will just break the pot in front of him and they shout by saying, you are now cut off from your people. You are now cut off from your people. And that was like a punishment for him and the whole village rejected him by saying, you you don't have a place to live among us because you are not good. You should go away. So what happened is the father every day in the story He went very far in the road, maybe in the border of the village, waiting for his son to come. And the only solution to prevent that ceremony or tradition to happen is the father to hold his son, hug him, kiss him. And by that way, he is announcing, I forgave him and I want him to come back to my home again. And at that moment, nobody in the village can touch the son. But to do that, he should run and he should take that shame and humiliating himself in front of everyone. And this is actually what happened on the cross. Our Lord took our sin shame to free up, to give us that confidence. We can come back to the heaven without fear to our heavenly father and stay there forever. And why he did that, it's out of his love. So God hates the sin, yes, but he loves sinners. But God separates the sin from the sinner. And when I was preparing, some people don't like us to talk about the love of God as unconditional love. And their argument is, because if we say that, 
We preach it. So people will sin. And actually they are confusing between God's acceptance and God's approval. So, and you can see the meaning in John 8 when the religious leader brought that woman caught in adultery to our Lord Jesus Christ. And our Lord asked her when everyone wants to stone her, So he asked by saying, he who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. Complete and dead silence happened. They looked to each other and one by one they left the scene. Then our Lord looked to the woman and asked her, woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? She said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. He accepted her. He forgave her. But he didn't approve what she did by saying sin no more. So God is accepting every one of us. But he does not mandatory to approve what we are doing in our life. And one of the traditional attack of the devil is when we sin... He is coming to us by saying, oh, you don't deserve God's love. You are a sinner. You don't even deserve to come to the church. You are not pure to enter the church. How you can come and pray? And if you are a deacon, he will come to you by saying, how can you wear that white tunia, which is expression of purity and holiness, while what what you have done yesterday or two days ago? And, And actually, this is a very... Very famous track of the devil. And the only strategy we should deal with that, we again read Romans 5, but God demonstrated his own love towards us. And that while we were still sinners, while we still sinners, not righteous, he came to us as sinners to save us. Because if that thought continue in our mind, especially for youth, could lead to disappointment and losing hope. And actually, that trick happened with Judas. Peter did a mistake. Judas did a mistake. What is the difference? So Peter hold the hope and repented. But Judas lost his hope and he died. So when the devil is coming to us by saying, oh, you did sin. We reply by saying... He still loves me. And he will love me forever. Why? Because I'm his son. I'm his daughter. He will never change that till the moment I will leave this earth and meet him personally. And God's love has the power to transform our life. When, when the love of Jesus Christ met Levi, the tax collector, he, he transformed it to be Matthew one of the disciples. When he met Saul, one of the persecutors of the early church, he transformed it to be St. Paul, one of our greatest apostles. When he touches Augustine, a sinner, lived a life full of sin, he became St. Augustine, one of our greatest like saints. And St. Augustine has a very interesting story when he repented. One of those ladies he used to sin with her came to him knocking the door several times, maybe for hours, by saying, Augustine, open the door. Don't you remember me? We did blah, blah, blah. 
And he didn't open. Then when she insisted like ours, he said, Augustine, that you want is dead. Here is a new Augustine. I'm a new in Jesus Christ. The person you knew is not anymore here. I'm a new person. Why? Because this is the love, the love of our Jesus Christ. So when God's love touches you, really will change your heart, your mind, your attitude, your behaviors. You will get a new perspective of life and you will see people from different angles. And you will be totally a new person. And my end thought, when we look to the cross and wonder, maybe we'll wonder asking God, so Lord, have you, have you so loved me? I believe the answer, as if God is replying back by what mentioned in Jeremiah 31, 3, by saying, yes, I have loved you with an everlasting love and glory be to God forever. Amen. Shalom. Be